0: Ladies and gentlemen, are you about to compromise this mission? Welcome to episode four of Be Real, guys. It's a movie podcast. I'm Chance Solen Pfeiffer, and I'm Noah
1: Ballard. How are you, buddy? I'm doing. I'm doing great. I'm. I'm excited that we're doing this podcast. There, I, I, the world is good. I would agree. Yeah. Would you have a good weekend?
0: Yeah, I had a I had a fine weekend. I w- I watched the movies that we're about to talk about today. My dad shit talked on Prometheus despite walking in for the last 10 minutes of it. Um
1: well, that's arguably the the most telling 10 minutes of the film. So, <laughs> should we should we get right to the theme then? Our theme this week is our research mission is not what it seems.
0: The three movies (laughs) that we're going to labor through are 1998's Sphere, uh, 2012's Prometheus, and 1994's Stargate. So that's a Barry Levinson movie based on a Michael Crichton novel that is a prequel to the famous uh, Alien series. Uh, Ridley Scott did that one. And uh, that's a very early Roland Emmerich movie that later spawned a TV show that you might have heard of but have probably never seen, if you're anything right. like me.
1: I can say that's true about me as well. There you go.
0: Um, if I can propose an order tonight, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Do you want to s- start with Prometheus? Because I feel like that's sort of our contemporary one. Um, right. You kind of pitched well, me Stargate. I kind of pitched you Sphere. I think we're both interested in how each other reacted to those. That's fine. Let's start with Prometheus because I want to start nice. with the dawn of man. Frankly, that's where I'm at.
1: Oh yeah. Let's let's just get into it. So Chance, <laughs> just tell us the basic like premise of this film, if you can, because I don't think I could. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, well, cut me off if you have to. So it's a prequel to the um, alien movie quartet.
1: Prometheus has their These are ancient civilizations that were separated by centuries, and yet, this same pictogram was discovered in every one of them. They're smiling. I think they want us to come and find them. We're all here because of a map you two kids found in a cave. Not a map, an invitation.
0: So this uh-huh. is sort of like a... Uh, it's a pre- it's a prequel to all of those movies.
1: Twi- right, it's attempting to explain, like, basically all the weird shit you saw in the first, I guess, like, two Alien movies.
0: Which is such a funny thing in and of itself, because, like, what kind of person is just like, well, I'll tell you who, Damon Lindelof of Lost, <laughs> um, is... Like, you know, the alien movies could
1: really use an extraordinarily reverent origin story. Um, right. It, it's gonna be about three hours long, and we're just gonna touch upon, I mean, and this movie like begs so many questions like in and of itself. it like it needs like a prequel to this prequel. you know, like yeah. the prequel where Guy Pierce isn't in old people makeup. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Ridley Scott movie, um, basically what happens, is two scientists in the year 2089 find, like, French cave paintings that match up with other ancient civilization paintings and renderings that all point to the fact that there was some sort of otherworldly creator um, of humanity. And it's like a constellation, and they have to go find... That and then, uh, right. then they go, they basically go into cryogenic, um, slumber for a few, a few years so they can like shoot several galaxies away,
1: right? It's Well, I mean, like, they find these things, they find these cave paintings, and then Numi Rapace makes like a really compelling argument to some like faceless corporation that she that they should give, them, give her a bunch of money to like go check it out, yeah. So then they assemble the least qualified team of people. <laughs> which is basically again, like one of the tropes of this genre is like, what's the weirdest assortment of like seemingly intellectual people? I mean, it's basically like, well, if we get into like Crichton and all of that, like his, just how his cast of characters, oh li- literally a, a blueprint in every book and film subsequently made from it. Like I was writing down which Jurassic park character is this when I was watching sphere. But anyway, we'll get back to that. We got to get, we got, we can't open that
0: right now. We can't go into right. sphere so soon. Um,
1: That's just a little foreshadowing if you're, like, thinking about maybe turning off the podcast.
0: Right, but the thing that's going to keep you on the hook is a movie from 1998 that no one's ever seen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Okay, but one of the great—you talk about the very sort of conventional assembly of scientific minds. One of the things that is good about Prometheus is the first um, quote-unquote person you meet— is um if you're familiar with aliens is bishop it's the it's the humanoid sort of robot character from these series in this movie it's david who's played by michael fassbender um
1: arguably the highlight of this whole fucking movie oh, i'd say
0: inarguably the highlight um just wandering around like quoting old cockney safari movies shooting a skyhook while riding a bicycle while like people are yeah. in cryogen freeze he's a pretty
1: for- i mean he's a pretty well-made machine please tell me you can read that what are you doing david i'm attempting to open the door wait we don't know what's on the other side oops sorry the future is bleak. The future is so bleak. That's. I feel like that's one of like the main comments of all three of these films. Like that's true. Te- technology, just like, just be happy with what you have and stop developing more.
0: Right. Um. One of the things that I really like about this this franchise, but I think is an unfortunate shortcoming of this movie, is the woman protagonist because of the sort of like weird um how do i put this like biological implications of how these aliens like get into people and both because of the very sort of poignant interest in where humans come from women are especially important to these movies and men are kind of just like bullshit people with guns who are gonna die at any moment and like that really works with sigourney weaver in right. Well, Sekhori Weaver two. like
1: is a badass,
0: and I think it's a little bit of a sh. I l- I like that it is there structurally, but I think it's a little bit of a shame that Numiripase is the is the lead because I think she's one of the weaker actors in this movie, and I almost wish there was some like right. well, she's weird this twist.
1: Writer. Or-
0: yeah, I wish there was some weird twist or fleshing out where Charlize who is the, like, sort of spoiled, jilted daughter of the billionaire who funded the mission was actually, like, a bigger, complex character and she was actually sort of lead right. because Charlize has that, like, Sigourney, like, toughness and that stature, but instead right. she, you, she's just, like, a shitty person. And Numi's just not a very good actress. I
1: think there might be some confusion about our relationship. Let's say you do find these beings down there. You won't engage them. Won't talk to them
0: and will do nothing but report back to me. <laughs> and so then they, they, you know, they land on this planet, which is like a sort of like uninhabitable desert planet and end up going in this, like this series of caves, um, because they think it's where humans have been right, well, created. There are
1: like rude, there are like some crude structures, aren't there? Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. So they think that people have been there, but it looks deserted. Yeah, um, but and lo since, and behold!
0: Yeah, since we're since we're giving the spoilers, this research mission is not what it seems. It's um, not. What basically happens in this movie is that it's not it's not the birthplace of man, but rather a place where the quote unquote engineers who are this like large. Um, humanoid species Who created people It's actually a military outpost Where they've made like WMDs To kill humans And the WMDs Are the aliens from Alien
1: So Yeah Which is like kind of a cool concept in, yeah. On paper But in practice this movie is so Dumb This movie, like, cannot find its... My biggest problem with the movie is not the plot. I mean, the acting's pretty bad, but, like, I feel like that picks up. This movie just never has, like, a consistent pace. There's, like, these long, like, arbitrary, like, sort of researchy. ooh, we're gonna find something scenes, and then there's just, like, action for, like, way too long... Followed up by like people standing in a room like what are we gonna do what are we gonna do but like for way too long and then there's like a more f- like oh we're gonna find some more things and then there's just like prolonged action and then like I don't know it just felt like it it didn't hit, it hit all these like weird I don't know.
0: I'll say what I really like about this movie um, and we'll get into our sort of our more finite assessments of it as good good bad good good bad or bad bad in a second um right i find this movie to be a like beautiful blockbuster i think i think it looks tremendous i think it's one of the best like looking movies in recent years especially considering that it comes from this tradition of like borderline steampunk movies that are all about like kind of in space horror claustrophobia and Ridley Scott shows himself uh to be a filmmaker I mean which I mean we've known about him for a long time even though he's made a lot of shitty movies mostly like narratively constructed the scope of this movie is tremendous the
1: spaceships
0: the planets But,
1: but I feel like that's where it loses some of its like fun you think so well, I think, like, those first four movies are so based on this idea of, like, yeah, like, space claustrophobia that, like, yeah. Ridley Scott's at the point of his career where he's like, hey, set the camera up over there. I know it's a wide shot, but fuck it. We'll fix it in post. Oh, and man. And that's, like, how think, we— I don't think that— I I think that's how he, like, currently makes films. Like, since Gladiator was such a success, he's like, fuck it. Kingdom of Heaven, just, like, run some horses through the camera and, like, Orlando Bloom and, like, Edward Norton wearing a mask. Like, whatever. Just throw it up onto the theater screen. People will pay money for it.
0: I think that the sort of innocent, devotional premise of this mission for the scientists who believe that it's important to figure out where humans came from is jives really well with me for the sort of majesty of the cinematography. I love it, but, you know, difference of opinion, that's cool.
1: Um, it is cool, because I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> um, this movie was not well regarded. It was... I
0: think it got more positive reviews than negative reviews. I Most certainly, it was
1: probably a rotten tomato, as it were.
0: I don't think that's true, ma'am. You let don't, don't think... Let me
1: look it I'm gonna look it up right now. Don't, don't you even trouble yourself. I'm on it.
0: Oh, seventy-three and sixty-nine percent. Cool.
1: God damn it! You're right. I, think, I, didn't, I, like, think, I think didn't like. I didn't like this movie. I thought this movie was a letdown when I, I saw you it.
0: You remember we actually saw this together when we yeah lived together? we did.
1: And and I mean,
0: don't get me wrong. There is a lot to tear apart in this movie. The flaws are enormous.
1: Right. But <laughs> I just thought it was kinda boring. You thought it was boring? I just wasn't that like taken with it. I'm really like, I mean, like with, with Alien, it. like with even with like maybe not the fourth one, but even the third one,
0: like oh, still had me dude. like
1: that The third one is like a deadbeat
0: recasting of like the tone of the other two.
1: Wait, which like, is y- the one with Winona Ryder? The one that's all shot in yellow? With Winona? I think that's the fourth one, right? Right, right, right. That one's garbage. But the,
0: what's the third one? The third one is the Fincher one, where the script was, like, rewritten at the last minute, and Sigourney is, like, unconscious and goes to this mining colony where Charles Dance and Ch- and Charles Dutton <laughs> are together. <laughs> oh, the yeah. The foremost two Charles is working today.
1: <laughs> or, or that day, not maybe today. Oh man. So what do you rate Prometheus chance, this deeply deranged sci-fi movie <laughs> vaguely about motherhood?
0: I know you're not gonna, you're gonna agree. Go, with you're gonna go good good, aren't you? I know you're not gonna agree with me, but I think this movie might be good good. I'm not saying that I'm not I'm not saying that this movie oh, no. is good. But I think I have no choice but to say that it's good good.
1: Oh, my God. It's funny. And, like, ironically, I find this movie bad, bad. You think it's bad, bad? (laughs) I think this movie is neither a good film, nor is it made (laughs) particularly... Like, nor is it entertaining to watch. I hate you so much. No, you don't. This movie is an okay, but ultimately boring science fiction movie that like you're just you're really just taken with the cinematography, aren't you?
0: I'm amazed by it. It's
1: everything that a blockbuster should be in terms of scale. Why don't you just like you probably like Terrence Malick, don't you? It's like oh yeah, but the shot of Ben or uh, Brad Pitt upside down is so profound. I don't
0: like I don't like Terrence Malick because this movie doesn't propose anything to me about like what art or life should be. It's just like I took a fairly simple, kind of dumb story and made it bigger and like more beautiful than you thought it could be.
1: It has been buried for thousands of years.
0: A mystery, a secret, a threshold to the future. Where'd you find this? i've I've never seen anything like this
1: one man will break the code and open the door
0: well this should read stargate that was in front of us the whole time
1: i'll do do the rundown of the basic plot of this film since it was my suggestion and i love it so spoiler alert oh my god (laughs) (laughs) oh jesus
0: we're gonna have some trouble
1: (laughs) oh man go ahead anyway (laughs) <laughs> so the movie begins in what, eight thousand BC? <laughs>
0: the movie Where... begins The movie begins with a four-minute like space opening credits thing, then cuts to eight thousand BC, then cuts to nineteen twenty-eight Egypt, then cuts to present day.
1: Oh my god oh, That was how Roland Emmerich knew he had to make this film Stay right here and shoot anything That comes down that ramp Your job here is to realign the stargate Can you do that or not? I can't Well this is the bigger question of this movie That like is the only flaw That I think it is there That I think there is um, Is the movie positing That this, like, fucking floating pyramid created, like, <laughs> Egyptian culture. is like, is that the argument of this film? <laughs> totally. Okay. So, basically, you have proto-Egyptians in North Africa. Right on. This floating pyramid thing fucking beams one of their... Oh, the guy who gets beamed up and becomes Ra. Yeah, the Ra guy who's, like who's basically the equivalent to Men in Black when those little green people, like, in those human suits.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: They're basically saying that what you know is Egyptian culture is actually just, like, Scientology.
0: Yeah. Yeah. On, like, on the way to a fairly traditional sci-fi film, they're just, like... (laughs) There's some pretty
1: bold cultural claims in this film.
0: Like... Ra is just a sexy boy who was an old ass alien who went inside the boy's body and lived forever. Right.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. My other big issue with this film, but I'm willing to forgive it because it's otherwise a great movie, which we'll get into in a second, <laughs> is the fact that, like, what was the fucking point of the Stargate?
0: That's... <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. I, I, I mean, like, I've seen this movie, like, maybe a dozen times, but never in the context of this podcast. So I was really, like, looking at it with a critical eye. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I don't get, like, what the Stargate does. It, like, goes between these two sort of, like, human-like planets that can make this mineral. But, like, Homeboy's already in a spaceship, so, like, why does he need that?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And I think what that does is it gestures at one of the sort of narrative flaws of this movie is Which that is, there's no like movies like this depend on the fact that you have a point of view guide into the larger sort of more tricky uh ideas of the movie and this movie okay. does not have that James Spader plays a like expert scientist who no one believes who's trying to properly date the pyramids and kind of going against the grain and saying that they're from much earlier than right. anyone anyone says, but it's just one scientist meeting a lot of other scientists and like really well-informed military agents.
1: Right. Well, so again, you don't, it's, you it's don't the have trope anyone. of this, it's the trope of this genre where it's, hey, here's like one sort of intelligent, ambitious person. Let's get the most unqualified people we can find, put them in a room and have to have them figure it out.
0: That's definitely true, but I found everyone to be too well informed on everything that was going on to the point that, like, the audience or me was just like, like, what's going on? You're all just, like, babbling at each other, and I don't know what Stargate is, nor do I know
1: why you even
0: have to go ...to this alternate galaxy. How
1: did... Without the seventh symbol... How did they even know, like... That it was a Stargate?
0: (laughs) I don't... see, like... The problem is that I've watched the movie carefully... And I don't really even know what you meant by that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, No, because you... Like Prometheus... The Stargate is this, like, big metal circle that Mm -hmm. has... It's basically, like, a combination lock. And they find it with these uh, six stone tablets. And these tablets have the combinations that, like is like the first six of what is seven combinations to like unlock the stargate. Mm
0: -hmm. And the
1: stargate takes you by using these seven symbols. It like coordinates your position in the universe. And anyway, James Spader figures out the seventh one so they can use the stargate, which takes them to, it's like a really, it's what I like about it is it's really like, it's a fucked up buddy comedy where it's like, here's a guy who is a scientist. I Guess. And here's a guy who wishes he was dead. It's basically the odd couple in another universe or something. Um, <laughs> because that's my that's one of my favorite like moments of this movie is they introduce this whole thing about like uh like James Spader being poor and like getting into a car and like going off to do this thing. And then the camera like it picks up and like falls somewhere else in like an idyllic suburban neighborhood. And like a car is pulling up to like a white picket fence and little house. And these two army guys get out and they knock on the door and no one answers and they just open it. Cause it's unlocked. And they look into the kitchen and they're like, where's the major and his wife who's chain smoking his cigarette, looking <laughs> vacantly out into the street goes like, you can talk or, and they say that uh, the, he asks who they are. And then Says they say they like they need to talk to him, and she's like, You can try if he talks back, or like whatever. Like, she clearly hasn't spoken to him in like months since like whatever horrible thing happens. And then it pans to like a child's room, and all these like photos of like the kid having this like perfect life, and then Kurt Russell with like hair down to his eyes is just playing with a gun in the kid's (laughs) bed. And you're like, Something horrible happened here.
0: Let me say that. Okay, so we've this is our second Emmerich movie, right? White
1: yeah, House Down. Yeah, I was Down. gonna bring that
0: up. White House Down was our first one, so thanks for being a repeat customer, Roland. But yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, for all the really obvious stuff that you could say about Roland's movies—that they are big and dumb and unwieldy and all that—all the stuff that everyone's already said—and like they don't hold up critically. Um, he really knows how to make a big movie. What was apparent to me in this movie, which is two years before his coming out party of Independence Day in nineteen ninety six, dude barely knew like where to put a camera. Like he had right. no idea
1: well, how I to think, like, make a I think the other thing movie. about this movie is like this movie did not have like the big SFX budget that Independence Day did. Oh, it's and certainly so you notice. Not. And then there's – so there's a lot of, like, really interesting – like, especially when, like, the spaceship is, like, landing and taking off. There's, like, a lot of close-up shots. You only see, like, a side of it. But I think that's, like, one of the interesting things about the movie is you never really know, like, what anything looks like. You know, like – Oh! <laughs> I, I think that's a little generous because, like – He certainly has mi- a style of, like, any any time, like, a missile prepares to fire, he has to zoom in on that missile. That's just one of his, like yes. – His things. And like every time one of their like stick guns like prepared to fire like he would zoom in on like the end of it like popping open like fine. Yeah. He likes that's what he likes. He likes like that that money shot of the gun.
0: You can fine. read like a textbook from a prerequisite class what he got from Stargate and applied to every single thing that that came after with like in terms of like like big shots like the shot where at the beginning where all the scientists are looking at the stargate it looks like he like committed to a platform in a missile silo with a catwalk right. where people had to stand but never thought about where the camera had to go to the point where it's right. just like oh shit I guess we put it really far away and like never see anyone's face In my regards to King Todd asshole <laughs> A thing that I really like about this movie is that I feel like even though, honestly, man, I found it like kind of weird and like really beatless for an Emmerich movie. It, like movies where you can like feel the beats coming from like like a fucking drumline from like years away. This movie was kind of like kind of atonal and arhythmic. But anyway, um, wow. Yeah, it's true. It, it further confirmed what everyone already knows, why Kurt Russell is the ultimate, like, campy 80s and early 90s action star. He is just so psyched to be there. When, when the script says jog, he sprints. When he's supposed to pull his mask off and kill the Egyptian overlord, he takes a couple extra seconds, pokes him in the belly, and says, "How are you?" Like he just really gives a damn about right. being a cheeky overachieving action star and right. like, it's the to me, it was the most magnetic part of the movie.
1: well, I feel like and spader I feel like also really commits.
0: oh man, yeah, like <laughs>
1: like painfully so. Oh, yeah, he thinks that, like, listen, I know that I'm, like, kind of funny looking, but somebody gave me an Indiana Jones-type role, like, I'm going for it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think, like, that's really, I think it's, like, kind of the brilliance of em- most of, em- like, Emmerich's good movies is that he just gets a cast to, like, really commit to, like, a ridiculous concept. hmm And they go, and, like, I mean, that's what's good for me, like, eventually when we bring up Independence Day. Is the fact that, like, yeah, it's a dumb movie, but, like, all these A-list actors are there, and they fucking, like, want to be there. My orders were simple. Track down signs of any possible danger. Well, I found some. I think it's ultimately, like, the defining thing between, like, watchable and not watchable. Totally. So, which is the reason that I will consent, Chance, you made some good points. And I will say that this is, uh, what, bad good? Yeah. And I you know what? I will say this movie is bad good. Can you meet me halfway, Chance?
0: Yes, I'll come part of the way with you and say that I would also uh, I'll also consider it I'll label it bad good Um, Thank
1: you Thank you for just being like a real uh, trooper through that one You are the human contact team that was recommended in the Goodman Report. We have a biochemist to assess the physiology of the unknown life form. We have a mathematician because that'll probably be our common language. And we have an astrophysicist to locate its place in the cosmos. Try to relax. So you're saying that you have a fuselage from a spacecraft over a half a mile long that crashed into the ocean 300 years ago and is completely intact? That's right. And the kicker is something's still running inside.
0: We're here to talk about 1998 Sphere, directed by Barry Levinson, of, uh, of such movies as The Natural and Rain Man. Because he, he didn't get the
1: funding up for, for bandits quite yet. He had to start here. <laughs> so I feel like what I wrote down this morning, or this afternoon, was uh, the theme of these movies is just don't go anywhere or look at anything. <laughs> nice. That's a
0: wide shot theory. I like it.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Like, I don't know. Like, what's the... like what thing is like our movies like these satisfying like within us
0: so here's what I felt is that so the the predicate the last half of our theme for this series is that the mission is not what it seems and in all three of these movies I think I sense a certain I mean they're all ridiculous so you can grain right. of salt you can grain of salt this however much you want but I think we as as humans are always interested in some way in Discovery, in The Next Frontier. And I think that over the last 50 or 60 years, we, you know, have been dissuaded in some sense that there is a next frontier. And so the reason in all three of these movies for people to sort of jump into something that's ultimately, like, kind of a special and exploratory experience is always something that we could pass off as, like, a cynical... Twist like, well, we only found this amazing spiritual, religious, galactic thing because some guy wanted to get paid for a report, or because some multi billion dollar company wanted to throw money at it. Um, right, or because like the military was going to lead some jingoistic mission. So, I think that all of these movies, and I think what they're tapping into is the hope that we as humans want to figure out what like what's that next big like beautiful outer level thing that we can that
1: we can find i mean i think it plays on that in a more like like directed way like in these kinds of movies but i think more generally like people just like a good mystery and so what these movies do is like present some evidence that like a far-flung theory could be true and the mystery is like well is that real so yeah. I feel like, I mean, that's like the thing that had people watching Lost for, like, a million years. was That's really true. Yeah, oh, we got an answer about this one thing, but there's another question here, so I got to keep watching. And I feel like all these movies have that, like, hey, wait, what does this mean? And then they give you sort of a half answer, and then you got to, like, keep going to that next door, or down that next tunnel, or, like, whatever it is.
0: So Sphere is a book written ten years prior to the making of the movie by Michael Crichton, who you definitely would know as the author of Jurassic Park and Lost World Jurassic Park and several other novels. Um, stars Dustin Hoffman, Sharon Stone, Lee of Schreiber, and Sam Jackson as the team of four scientists who go to... Oh, and Peter Coyote is their military liaison? You go to the bottom of the Pacific Ocean uh, to investigate. How deep are they?
1: Uh, fathoms. But, like, how deep is that? Because, like... Dustin Hoffman lasts for a while outside of his suit, and he's fine. (laughs) I don't remember. Like, they're not Titanic depth. They're only, like, they can only be, like, maybe a 1,000 feet under.
0: I'm going to try to get the premise out, but then I want to ask you a question that I feel like is really important to the layman's observation of this movie. Because for some weird-ass reason, I read this book when I was, like, 12, and then probably watched the movie, like, 20 times between ages like right. twelve and fourteen, which is just not an experience that anyone has, because this movie is like a weird. I don't know.
1: There might be some weird like IMDb trolls out there that have done that. Maybe, but I feel
0: like this this is like a thriller that's made like for thirty five plus people. It's really strange right. how like neurotic all of these characters are and like old. Um, Right. <laughs> like no one was thinking of marketing at all. Um, so, Justin Hoffman is the main character. He is a psychiatrist who's flown to this, like, site, this military site under the premise that it is a plane crash and he has to perform um,
1: yeah. some counseling. Yeah, but really with- what's happened is they found a space, they found a Star Destroyer <laughs> that's, that's like, a thousand feet under the water or something. Yeah, and,
0: and it's 300 it out- years old.
1: Yeah, it's 300 years old because there's, like, enough coral, and you can can measure coral, like, checking your watch. Thanks, Sharon Stone.
0: All the people who were assembled were named by Dustin Hoffman in this report that was apparently done.
1: Oh, that was fraudulent.
0: Uh, Yeah, a fraudulent report that he did just to get money about, like, what sort of human disciplinary team should be... What sort of disciplinary team should be assembled to confront UFO contact. And it's basically just kind of, like, all his old academic friends, and Sharon Stone, who's a biologist. Who's
1: like a patient he fucked. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Oh, my God. I love this movie. Um, but it turns out, like, he, well, I like the little, like, in-joke where it was, like, one of Bush's first things he did in office was, like, assemble this, like, weirdo team to figure out what to do if aliens <laughs> ever showed up. Yeah, like, I read,
0: I read this book... When I was like a child, so I knew the premise of it like well before I ever even knew there was a movie. When I watched this for probably the first time in 10 years, I was just like, if I was coming to this as someone who'd never seen this, this premise comes at you so quickly and garbled and in like mumbling nonsense, I never would have been able to follow it.
1: Could you... Yes. Did you like did, this is my first time watching it. Did you how what was that experience like? Well, if you and I was talking to you about this earlier. The movie's long. Like 2 hours and 20 minutes of that is like long. Yeah. And I feel like if they had added like another frame of exposition, like people would have rioted. I mean, you've read the book, is there more like up front? There is way
0: more up front. So you know the basically what happens As per the title, they go to the bottom of the ocean, they hop in this spaceship, they find out that there is just a beautiful, probably 50-foot-high, glowing, rippling sphere. um, Right. That they assume is sort of their, like, bridge to contact with an alien life form. Eventually, whatever's inside this... they figure out,
1: though, that it's like an American spaceship from the future.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, even now, you're describing the like the setup problems of this movie. There is way too much. Um, which well, actually made like me think... They like,
1: well, that's the, I think that's the inherent flaw of the movie is they don't like... That's what I'll give Prometheus and that's what I'll give Stargate is like... It's a ridiculous premise, but it's like... If you tell someone something ridiculous over the course of like 30 seconds, like it sounds ridiculous. But if you spread it out over the course of like an hour and a half... You know, and give people like a little taste like with Stargate, it was like, oh, here's this thing that goes between like universes and like, OK, that's fine. We can believe that. And then it, it, we didn't know for another like hour and a half that like this dude had outlawed writing in this planet that like kind of resembled Earth. And he's like they're mining for him this weird chemical that keeps him alive because he's like wearing a human suit. Like mm-hmm. that's spread out, that ridiculousness. With this movie, it's like first ten minutes. It's like here's the setup, and let's see if these people kill each other. Yeah,
0: it's really a lot. It's like a, it's an like I think I want to say the book's five hundred fifty pages. Oof,
1: where, that's a beast.
0: Where the sphere, where the thing inside the sphere starts talking to them on the computer, and it calls itself Jerry. That is probably not until more than halfway through the book. Well, whatever it is, it was inside that sphere. Now it's out and free to act. What do you mean by that? Free to take over our computers, free to call us on the phone, free to come over and knock on the door if it wants to. That last part where he said, I am happy. Well, don't you want Jerry to be happy, Norman? Honestly? Yeah, what's on your mind? What happens if Jerry gets mad? Well,
1: it's just, like, blatant, like... Like, exposition dialogue with all these characters. I wrote that down here. It was just like, why do they keep telling me what the plot is? Why can't they have a scene?
0: It is it is just dying under the weight of, like, Crichton's concept.
1: We're- well, I mean, it's not only dying. Well, that's the funny thing about this movie, and the, it's also what I really hate about Mission to Mars, is that, like, the setup is, like, so convoluted and, like, wait, what? And they're also underwater? Like, that movie, that makes this, like, insane. Because it's not, the other two are basically in space, and this one's just, like, on Earth, but, like, the classic uh, Michael Crichton, like, "Uh uh-oh, here comes the typhoon, like, damn it, now Newman's not going to get to the docks on time.
0: It's no wonder to me, having, like, read a bunch of Crichton as a kid, that he's been so, like, tapped on the shoulder by Hollywood because he has all these scripts or all these these novels that are so good on premise, and I feel like that's what, like... Big budget studios are right. looking for like. Well, that's what give big me talking budget gorillas. studios are
1: hurting for now. Is is like the Michael Crichtons.
0: Yeah, give me talking gorillas. Give me medieval time travel. Give me oh, dinosaurs. Timeline,
1: great film.
0: Timeline's not great. Give me dinosaurs reinvented. Like, give me all these like big concepts that ultimately like kind of are what make you a great sci-fi writer. Like that's mm-hmm. what people will remember. Like nobody ultimately right. in 20 years no one will remember the journey but the problem is that the second half of all these books is just like him like if he, on the page like computer images like projected in and like a lot of really convoluted stuff that does not necessarily yield timeline was not a successful movie congo is a joke of a movie and whenever he tries I to go i've seen that one when he tries to go realist, like rising sun is horrible um (laughs) but shouts to wesley snipes um
1: i thought this movie was incredibly dumb it's really let me tell you the ways sam jackson just had like a lot of really good like he just hated being there well he was like the jeff goldblum character he was like the um you know from jurassic park
0: buddy my problem with this movie is that they are all the Jeff Goldblum character. It's like if you put four rambling, neurotic Goldblums together and it was just like, I don't want to see all four of these people talk to each other. This is terrible.
1: Well, it was basically like, yeah, it was Dustin Hoffman and uh, Leah Schreiber and Samuel L. Jackson all playing that role. Uh, Sharon Stone reprised her role from Basic Instinct and peter coyote was just like doing his best steven seagal yeah or kurt russell or like whatever he needed to do just to like say his lines and like eventually get crushed by that door
0: hoffman's not fit to lead this movie like obviously hoffman's great like right but you can't have a protagonist who's just baritone mumbling everything
1: right he barely gets like He pulls, like, a full, like, Delroy Lindo from Gone in 60 (laughs) Seconds, if I may back reference, and adds, like, maybe 50% more dialogue for himself using ums and wells. This movie's movie's beyond explanation, but what I like about, like, this movie in a bigger sense is, like, the troubling racial politics of just having Samuel L. Jackson play the Black Crichton character. Yeah. I mean, like... Reprising his I was role almost as John disappointed I'm, I'm disappointed that there wasn't a point In the movie where he was both smoking And saying the line Access main program Access main system program Ted <laughs> did, did figure it out Time travel And when we get back we're going to tell everyone How it's
0: possible, how it's done What the dangers are But then why 50 years in the future When this spacecraft encounters a black hole Does the computer call it an unknown entry event Why don't they know if they don't know, it means we never told anyone. And if we never told anyone, it means we never made it back. Hence. One of my... Okay, before... We need to talk about what truly is wrong at the end, but a quick thing before we get there. So, they're talking to Jerry on the computer the whole time, right? And slowly, right. Jerry is like, stop calling me Jerry. It's not my name. And Dustin Hoffman's like, Jerry, what do you want to be called? Um, uh, and... <laughs> That's just like, I'm just talking like a frog. That's the only way I can talk like Dustin Hoffman in this movie.
1: Jerry, Jerry, well, what do you well, can, can we share the main... Are you about to talk about like the main twist? Like the fuck up? They like translate... Well, here's how the... Here's, we're going to have fun trying to explain this. So <laughs> the golden ball they think is trying to communicate with them using oh what God. a numeric keyboard would look like inverted and backwards spread throughout the sphere itself. Yeah. So they... They within five seconds, write a computer program to decode the random numbers they're getting into <laughs> juxtaposed onto a spherical keyboard in reverse, yeah, and they get English phrases that says like, "Hey, I'm Harry, I'm happy, like what's up? I'm Jerry, you mean, I'm Jerry, what's up?" <laughs> but then they figure out they made like some well let's talk about your thing. This is,
0: you're right where I'm going. So they're just like, oh, Harry mistranslated the J as an H because it's trying to say that it's Harry because it's a manifestation of Harry's interferes. But that also means that the E is an A so that none of, all the words that the computer would have been typing previously are gibberish.
1: Right. Ultimately, the big problem
0: is that they're supposedly able to manifest anything that they think about. But that clearly doesn't happen
1: at all. Right. Because well, like, they presumably would want to get out of there. They, they seem to be able to that. keep themselves from getting out of there. So why couldn't they just get out of there? Oh man.
0: Um. We gotta. We gotta go. What? Um. What's your. What's your grade for this movie?
1: Bad. Bad. Definitely. I
0: can't disagree. I think I definitely was expecting to find it to be bad good Having not seen it Mm -hmm. in a decade But trying to watch it with fresh eyes It is
1: It's bad bad my friend Incoherent It's bad bad Oh it's it's horribly incoherent Yeah (laughs) So Well I think this is a really good week Chance me too, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Follow us on Twitter at Be Real Guys, and real is spelled like a film reel with two E's. Yep. And uh, if you want to like comment on the show or like give us a suggestion for genre or whatever, uh, we're at BeRealGuys at gmail.com. Hey, this is Real Chance. Uh, let's do it again soon have a good night. Catch you later, buddy.